Does it okay. I feel good. I feel natural. Yeah. Does it, it? Am I popping if I speak right into it? No, no. Okay. That's a very good mic. That's actually a rock band mic from the game Rock Band. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so it's good for uh, it's good for Belton. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Long Form Conversations, the podcast where we talk about long form improv. Today, I have a guest who is uh, very well known in the Los Angeles uh, improv community. However, he does not wish to be known as an improviser. He's not a comedian. He's not even an actor. He's just a fellow human being <laughs> occupying the spaces that we occupy. Everybody, everybody, please welcome PJ McCormick. Hello, fellow organisms. <laughs> uh, I think we should start there because <laughs> that's like I, I asked you, like, hey, like, how do you like to be introduced? And you're like, I don't, I don't consider myself a comedian or an actor. What do you consider this art that you do? Are you an artist at least? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an artist. He I like to think artist. of myself as an artist. I hope that doesn't come across like too pretentious, but I think I've done a lot of different things in life, and I kind of have the artist mentality of like, you just do it, you do it to like its full potential, and until you, you don't love it anymore, and then you give it up, and then you move on to the next thing, and 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 don't um, don't keep retreading the same ground, right? So. So you think I, I, by calling yourself a improviser or comedian that kind of like limits your ability or like, you know, kind of like cements what you're going to do? I think it puts pressure on me. I don't like pressure. OK, so like if I say I'm a comedian, you know, like if you say you do comedy at a party, they like tell me a joke. Do. Let me see your stand up set. But like uh, for me, like I don't want the expectation that I do funny, you know. Um, uh, cause then it sets up the pressure of like, oh, okay, well let's keep an ear out for funny things he says and does mm-hmm. when like, it should be spontaneous, right? And it doesn't always need to be funny. Sometimes your improv can take Absolutely. dramatic shape. I, I love dramatic improv. Yeah. So what we can say though, is that you are on the, uh, UCB Herald team, Lohan. Mm-hmm. You are one of the leaders, jam leaders of the one big jam. Yeah. That's uh, Saturday's 5.30, right? I wouldn't say leader, host. 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 Because sure, sure. then it gets into, you know, uh, um, non-democratic right. ter- territory. Correct. Yeah, leader <laughs> is the wrong title for that. You're just a a host for that, uh, along with... Um, Anarajo, Joe Fahey. Yeah, two and good then friends. You also have a uh, workshop coming up uh, through Shared Experience Studio, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I started... Uh, doing the uh, shared experience drop-in um, and it's been really cool like it's been a lot of like emerging uh, performers um, that are like coming up usually mostly through like the UCB program but um, you know like I, I, uh, I'm working on this school with James Mastriani, Dana Labosco, and Karen Bond and um, just kind of like um, focusing on like the nuance of comedy um and like you know like when when we do the drop in i'm always like don't try to be funny like let's let's think about like being relatable here and then like it just everyone just ends up being so funny on accident you know and that's the kind of comedy i love uh i want to ask about a recent experience and you can feel free to go 
into as much detail or as little detail as possible, but you were previously on Jet Set and there was a scramble a couple of months ago and now you are kind of reconfiguring kind of on a new team. You have some former team members, but you also have some new team members. What was that experience like? Um, it's, it's always uh devastating when like you lose your scene partners your your teammates that you've been kind of grinding with for so long um because jets had started in 2019 and then you know we got our six month run and that was just like a, a run full of anxiety and nerves for me um but like the cool thing about that team was we felt like the fun the fun fresh indie team uh because like every year has that you know and um, we got to be that for the 2019 season um so we're all kind of in it together we were all fresh to herald night and it, it's kind of like you know like getting drafted to a war like we're war buddies we, we're going to go through this together and kind of deal with the nerves of this and the pressure of it all you know um because so many people deserve that spot and we just happen to get it um and we probably had an experience that not many people can say that they've ever gone through which is the two and a half year <laughs> layover from the pandemic and you know we didn't really keep in contact too much as a team every now and then we would talk but I think we were all just kind of figuring out who we were outside of this community um and I was dealing with my own personal issues um in the pandemic and then um once you see B, oh man, I remember when I got the email, I was at work at this like self-tape studio I work at. And uh, I got the email that like, hey, Jet Set, like we're coming back. And my heart almost like jumped out of my chest. I was not in excitement, but like, fuck, I'm going back. I have to do this again. And like, I had kind of like figured out like, okay, this, these are the things I want to pursue outside of comedy um let let me like embark in this new journey and start something new as like an artist would right abandon the old and like in with the new and then the old came back and I likened it to it's like it's like your girlfriend breaking up with you and then two and a half years later she goes okay you know what uh you can take me out on a date and we can date some more we can keep dating again and it's like, I don't know if I want to, you know, <laughs> like there was so much. You get some distance we from were dealing, it. Yeah, I've got so much distance from it now. And and I was still practicing. I was doing Mastriani's drop-ins um, because I, I still loved improv, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I was doing it like every week, but not performing. And like, I like practicing more than I do performing. Maybe it's changed a little bit more now that I've gotten more comfortable on stage. But yeah, like Jet Set, like we started hitting each other up. We started hanging out, working together again. And then we were just back on the stage. And then, you know, four months go by, we get split up. I wasn't too distraught about it. I kind of thought it would happen um, because like first year teams don't typically stay together. Um, and even teams that do stay together and keep their name, they, there are a couple switch-ups that happen. So I was kind of preparing myself that we were going to get split up. Um, I think the great thing is that no one got cut. 
And the way I view it is, oh, Jets, it's a good team. They they work well. Um, let's spread the wealth and kind of share that experience with so other that teams. instead of having one successful team, you can have like four or five successful teams. Yeah, and I think that's good. I think mm-hmm. that's important because um, from Jetset, there's like three new teams that kind of came mm-hmm. from it, and they get to share their experience with um, the experience of other people on those teams and like the new people who are you know enjoying their first year. So. Um, I, I think that's a good thing. You should always pay it forward. Mm-hmm. So I, I I see that as um, a big thumbs up that no one got cut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and speaking of um, you know that this weird two and a half year break, a unique thing that I don't think anybody's gonna ever know what it's like to be in your shoes. But you are kind of one of the veterans now, even though like you mentioned, it was a six month run than a four month run, but like more so than anybody, just because there's been so many teams that have been shaken up and so many new people coming in and graduated as well, you know, so uh, automatically you went from being one of the newest teams uh, to people on Herald Knight to all of a sudden, you know, rocketed into like one of the more veteran members, you know? It's weird. It really is weird because it's technically my second year and like, you're but still, this is four years later. Four years later, I'm on my I'm on my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> man, we got to read the repeat French a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just I just I I hate romantic language. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it 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 is weird. You know, as much as I want to just like be like, no, 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 I'm not. Uh, I, yeah, I guess we kind of are because like Yeti. Pony left. Leroy. Leroy. They all got graduated. So um, we kind of like come into that spot. I think like there's Bitchin and then there's Ghost. there's like the other teams, mm-hmm. including including Lohan. And um, uh, I'm very grateful for it. I, you know, uh, I, it, I think it's important, like when you get in that spot to make it to make the most out of it. And I think for me, like, I just wanted to feel welcoming. Yeah. And I will say as a, you know, relative newcomer to UCB, uh, uh, I think you and, you know, your peers, your class of improvisers have done a really great job of doing that, of opening up and, and, you know, welcoming all of the new folks because yeah. like, what, what has your experience been like since you started doing um, uh, Monday nights? Uh, it's been, you know, for the most part, very great. I think, again, I don't know what it was like before, but uh, uh, we had that, you know, all hands meeting. And yeah. that was just really great because just to see this room. That was a fun people, meeting. That was a really fun it was meeting. It really fun. There's pizza, there's drinks. And it was just like, to me. <laughs> I don't think there were officially drinks. Oh, sorry. But I was throwing beers out. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but it, it was just really fun. And um, you could see like the room was just full of excitement. I think a lot of that is, again, the it's always like the majority right like if everyone in there's old veteran jaded haggard though i would have been in there like yeah this is just a strict business meeting let's get out of here but because everyone was so happy and so excited you see there's a room full of people like you mentioned everyone's been looking forward to this for years and years and years so that that is infectious and i think even some of the the people have been doing it before um they're just like oh my gosh this is like rather than stifling that part of their um energy they were like able to freely let it out to be like i forgot this is fun so that was all good and then we had the mixture so everyone has been very warm and and open which has been really great but i think a lot of that is like you mentioned 
just changing it up, just a big, big change up, uh, um, swiping things clean as a fresh start, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like before the pandemic, it, it just, yeah, it just felt like, um, you constantly always had to prove yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think there is still that element because it is a competitive environment, even though it's meant to be like collaborative, collaborative there's, it's still competitive. Like it's always going to be that way. That's yeah. just how it, that's just like nature. I actually really want to dive into this uh, when we talk about our topic of the week, because that is a, a, a important factor uh, here, but uh, uh I think uh, we're, we're, gearing up. we're warmed up. Uh, we're already got drink deep, uh, but let's go ahead and move on to our first uh, topic. We're going to go to move on to uh, improvster syndrome. So uh, this is the topic, the segment where we're going to go over your improv journey. So people can hear kind of what you've been through and how you got to where you are now. And I already know a little bit about this, but I want to start at the very beginning, uh, just like your, your performative of your, your comedy journey, like, uh, starting as, as a kid, did you do any type of performing arts? Were you an athlete? Did you um, tell jokes, class clown? Okay, like, uh, I didn't speak until I was four. My mom told me. Um, I was First a very word. quiet kid. Probably mom. Mommy. Mum. Because okay. I, I grew up in England. I, I'm, I'm British. Half British, half Filipino. And um, so I was always a quiet kid. I used a lot of... Um, sign language in a way like i would i would non-verbally find ways to get what i want um yeah four is uh, uh pretty more advanced did you do, do you have recollections of that no i don't remember that but um um yeah she said that my mom told me like uh they would have um uh like counselors or like child development like people come over to kind of work with me and try to get me to speak and i just wouldn't talk I just, I knew how to get what I wanted by communicating physically. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've always been a physical person. I would just point at things or I would kind of like use my, yeah. I would use like signs, you know, to get, get what I wanted. Um, and then um, uh, the first time I, I, the first time I remember making someone laugh, I was in the Philippines visiting my, my mom's side of the family. And uh, my uncle had really bad breath and I kept like, making like just like big just like oh pew wee kind of faces and i remember taking a doily and putting it over my nose and like trying to block out the smell of his breath and the entire room of my cousins were just like cracking up laughing you know this Roasting little your uncle. This piece of shit kid yeah <laughs> making fun of this adult and um i specifically remember that and um i was just like the funny kid and then i i i remember I think my first time like really getting into comedy was I would, I would watch the morning announcements. We had like a closed circuit television station in high school and um, the morning announcements, it featured like the head quarterback <laughs> of our football team, this like incredibly attractive muscular guy. And then like this other like attractive girl and, and I like all these like cool people and they would do inside jokes with each other mm -hmm. on the morning announcements when they were like, Oh, today we're doing macaroni salad in the lunch, in the cafeteria. 
but the inside jokes were between them. We didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. Yeah. So we're just like, duh, <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah. And that it's was like, like Andrea, don't add pepper to that macaroni salad. He's like, I know you love pepper, <laughs> girl. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, what's it, going what on? This? Yeah, this is stupid. Yeah. So I thought this is my first like foray into like what a shared experience is. I thought, well, the in, like it's okay to have inside jokes. The inside joke should be the whole school is in on it. Should include the audience. Exactly. So I applied to be on the morning announcements. I did like some my application was like me doing a report on like this my shitty Chevy Lumina 1990 car. And then uh, I was like, you know, uh, uh, just like going over the features of this car that my dad got me. Um, and then like someone like threw me in the trunk and sped off and mm-hmm. I got kidnapped uh, live on camera as a reporter. So it was like a sketch. Yeah, I did a sketch. Interesting. Uh, so your impetus for wanting to uh, perform came from wanting to outdo the the... Captain the Fall. Seeing team. a theme here. That competitiveness. Um, and so before that, you hadn't done sketch before, or were you also doing like plays or? No, not really. Interesting. So yeah. just to see that, like, there's a better way, like. Yeah, like let's create inside jokes and then let's keep <laughs> recurring them. So then, uh, uh, you put yourself out there. Did they pick you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got on. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, uh, there, there was another girl on it, uh, Megan. Megan Holland, uh, she's just like this beautiful girl, and she was on the like local news station. Um, it was American Idol, but it was Houston Idol. Oh, cool! <laughs> and so she got on for like singing. So she was like the popular girl, and so I wanted to like I wanted to basically like pull an anchorman like Ron Burgundy, and I'm in, in love with my co-anchor on air. Like that's your that was my inside my joke for everybody. Yeah, yeah, that was my character game. So like every time we were on camera together, I would like bring her a little present or like I would like ask her on a date. And then we even like the very last episode, like we went on the date at the Cheesecake Factory and it was like a disaster. Like I, it was bad. And, <laughs> and then like- Was this sincere or what? was this an act? It was an act and then like it actually became bad because uh, my friend Nick Murphy was the server and we shot it in the studio and he mm-hmm. brought like kept bringing out the wrong food mm-hmm. and I got frustrated at him and like I, I slapped him and then like as I slapped him I hit her on the head and then she got up and stormed off. Oh my god! And I was like oh god and then uh, my, my teacher who was like he was like, yeah, we're running out of time. We have to air this. Yeah. So then like the thing that aired on TV was like me slapping my friend and hitting Megan in the head and then her storming off. And that was the last, that was the last morning announcement of my career. Honestly, everything on game, on game, on game, even yeah, the slap you know, on air. She, it was an accident, <laughs> of course, but she, uh, she reacted at the top of intelligence. I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a very fuck me type game, right? Yeah. Which is good. It's just, bad optics uh but anyway so from that um at the time i was doing that i was also professional wrestling now how'd you get into this though (laughs) like this is a don't just sneak that in there i know it's weird um i uh i i I think let's let's run back really quick what year of high school is this like sophomore year junior year this was um when i started wrestling no the the senior year was when i was doing the announcements i started wrestling junior year so this is separate. This is separate. Okay. Yeah, I had a bit of a double life uh-huh. in high school. So um, 
I just grew up like I I, I kind of like got into wrestling during the Attitude Era with like Stone Cold, The Rock, Hardy Boys, Mick Foley, um, and like it just seems so fucking creative and amazing to me. It, there's nothing like it. It and so like uh, I I watched the Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian ladder match at No Mercy, 1990, 1998, I want to say, mm-hmm. and I was like, I want to do that, and. I'm the type of personality when I see something really, really cool, I'm like, I'm going to try it. And so when I was 14, um, I drove, I, I got my friend's dad to drive me to a wrestling school. Cause I was backyard wrestling. I had a, a huge like square tra- trampoline in my backyard and I like built turnbuckles, but mm-hmm. no ropes. So it was super dangerous. Yeah. And we would put on wrestling matches and, I would jump off the roof and go through tables and I was trying to be like Mick Foley and Jeff Hardy. And I was like very extreme high flying hardcore type wrestler when I was backyard wrestling. And then I wanted to like, well, let me see if I can do it. And I was 14 years old. Who'd you do this for? Just in my backyard. I was just like with a camcorder. You like, just re- oh, me you and my film, friends. We would film. film ourselves wrestling full matches and I would watch them over and over again, studying tape. And you wouldn't like there was no YouTube back then. Yeah. So really it was just for it was the just love of the for game. me. Yeah. And where it's that- crazy. My dad, he's he was a very very intelligent man. Mm-hmm. Um and he's like an engineer and he hated wrestling and I was not allowed to watch wrestling when mm-hmm. he was in the house. And so, like when he would come home after a long day of work, um, he would watch TV. But on the VCR, there was a little red light and I was recording SmackDown on mm-hmm. UPN because we didn't have cable growing mm-hmm. up. And I was recording SmackDown, just like hoping and praying that he wouldn't see the red light. And one mm-hmm. time he caught me, but like he was adamant. You will not watch this garbage. Go read a book. Do something productive with your life. This is filth. This is trash. This wow. is a bad influence on you because it was the attitude, Eric kind of was and just so people just to give people some context just to frame this story i don't think people you know nowadays what your relationship to wrestling might be you know but like in the 80s and 90s uh uh the the the, the chokehold you know that professional wrestling had on alice and boys was huge uh, yeah we're talking prime time slots like three four days out of the week late late night like uh late 90s yeah like 80s it was the corny era with hulk hogan you know yeah oh yeah macho man randy savage like very like kind of detached weird caricatures but then in the late 90s that's when you saw like the rise of like stone cold Mm -hmm. you know it was like Shawn michaels bret hart it was kind of like an element of like realism Mm -hmm. with wrestling and so you were kind of it was like a reality show Uh, it it was very jerry springer and i would even say that like yeah in the past maybe you could like we we all know now wrestling's fake but maybe in the 80s you'd be like yeah we know this is fake but in the 90s especially for young kids we would watch that Mm -hmm. and we would think no this is the real deal because they shot it like docu-series style it was like a reality show so yeah in the same way that you could watch you know survivor and be like this is real yeah or, or keep up the kardashians or whatever like vanderpump rules this is real young yeah, kids would yeah. watch wrestling think this is real yeah uh, um and yeah and like kids would keep like you think it's hard now to know what streaming service to watch whatever kids would know what channels to watch, what times for what, because yeah. we knew the next day we'd be talking about, dude, you, you have to fight? watch it live. Absolutely. Yeah. So you knew what to talk about the next day at school. Mm-hmm. 
So I just wanted to like frame that. So like for, for you to want to do that, I don't think is unusual. And for your dad also to like recognize, like now look, looking back, like your dad was, you know, trying to hopefully like, uh, be a good parent, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, looking out for me. He wanted me to be like an engineer or something, but, yeah. but he in, knew I wasn't like that. But I want to ask you since, uh, now knowing what we know about wrestling and also hearing about all the, the, you know, the trauma that it can do to their bodies mm-hmm. at that point, did you know it was fake? And did you know how to do this safely and responsibly or no? Um, I, so I would watch like home videos and they would talk in kayfabe. Kayfabe <laughs> means, um, like, where we we're talking in terms of it being a performance mm-hmm. you know um and i that i think i kind of realized eventually like oh this is not real like these are planned this is like orchestrated um so watching those home videos i kind of like realized oh i can like call a match and that's when i started backyard wrestling i was like let's do this so i was like directing my friends to like put on these like big elaborate matches yeah. where it's like by the end of it, like I want to jump off the roof, you yeah. know? Um, but you, uh, uh, I, uh, at the same time, like when you're like throwing people or, or breaking them through tables, like you knew to like saw through the tables and make everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like I use like a, like, for, like heavy cardboard. So it didn't even break my fall. I was like literally doing swanton bombs straight to the ground. Uh-huh. Like, cause it was like duct tape to two ladders. The, mm-hmm. the cardboard oh got it got it <laughs> so like i was taking like big bumps at a young age yeah and i get my first car that chevy lumina that got me the morning announcements and my the the first week that the week that i got my car the very first weekend saturday morning i drove straight to uh, minute maid park where tugboats topo taylor school of professional wrestling was and i signed up to take classes there and i trained every tuesday Tuesday, Thursday night, and every Saturday morning, three hours training wrestling. And it was like, you know, you start with like physical stuff, like we would do weight training, then we do cardio, and then we would get in the ring, and then we would do the wrestling part. And you start with um, amateur wrestling. So a lot of like takedowns, learning how to like go from like a referee position and like, you know, like switch under and like take people down, grappling, like you had to learn the real wrestling first. And then you get into the moves, which is like what I wanted to do. (laughs) So then I would like learn how to run the ropes, take a bump, slowly like graduate up to like taking a front flip bump. But because I had done like trampoline wrestling, I already knew how to do all the high flying stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was doing swanton bombs over the rope dives, um, like suicide dives, like immediately. I was very like, um, I was pretty athletic when I was young. I wasn't like crisp but I was willing to take risks. And so then that led to me refereeing matches at the VFW hall in Cypress, Texas. Um, I would wrestle in like the most like bum fuck towns. Uh, when I was a kid, I was a child wrestling in these yeah. like tiny towns with, with like grown men. after that, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed doing the announcements. I got burnt out because of all the hazing and bullying. It was, it was a really toxic culture in yeah. wrestling back then. And um, I went to school and I did broadcast journalism um, because I was doing the announcements, but also because George Carlin and David Letterman, they went to school for broadcast journalism. So is this what kind of awoken your interest into comedy? Like, Yeah, I've always been into comedy. Like I grew up on British comedies like um, British Who's Line. Uh, yeah, definitely. Steve Coogan. Mm hmm. 
Um, Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Hugh Fry and Laurie. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Alan Partridge, British office with uh, Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant, um, Monty Python, of course, like uh, other things like, like uh, keeping up appearances, Mrs. Bucket, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, one foot in the grave, um, uh, like all that, that just like, just rich, dry British humor. Was That's, your dad into that? that? Was, was that stuff he was okay with? That was watching? it. Yeah. Me and my dad, the only two things we bonded over were British comedies mm-hmm. and the Beatles. That's it. Um, and, uh, that it's always been important to me because it comedy has always been a way of like connecting with my dad, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, when I started the broadcast journalism program, uh, my, my, uh, the, 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 the head of the department, she asked me, we, I had my initial meeting with her when I entered the program. She goes, what, what are your goals? What do you want to do? And I said, I really want to go to New York and, and pursue, um, like work on a comedy show, get an internship at a comedy show and work my way up. That's what I said to her. And you're, she you're goes, you're a guidance counselor? Yeah, like the head of the department, the mm-hmm. one that like will oh, help you get a job. Exactly. And, and for her, she's probably used to placing people at like, news station yeah in like wichita falls or you know small towns like that where you get your start and then hopefully you end up in houston or dallas this request was like uh not only out of the ordinary but kind of like yeah i was just like i want to go i want to work in comedy in new york city she goes um you have much you have as much of a chance as anyone else here to get to new york yeah and i was livid when i heard that i was like how are you gonna say that to a kid who's like being vulnerable and telling you like this is what I want to do. It's like a soft denial. Basically it was, yeah. I don't big time. Yeah. Like, uh, Hey, good luck. I don't want to help you. Or I can't help she you. She didn't give a fuck about me. Yeah. No, she just, she had her favorites and I was always the outcast, which has always been a, a theme in my life. And um, so I like, kind of like made that my goal. I was going to like shove it in her face. And um, you know, I did the, 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 uh, I worked on my reel. I created this like puppet show and I thought like I did pretty well. Yeah. And, um, that I sent out my resume to five different people, David Letterman, Conan O'Brien daily show. Um, I think the onion and Howard Stern show and Howard Stern show got back to me. Yeah. And then they, uh, they offered me an internship cause I would, um, hound him. I would hound Sean Gordon um, over at Howard TV every every seven days. I would hit him up like, hey, like, did you look at my resume or a phone, phone, email, everything. Um, and then eventually he was like, all right, fine, you can come. And uh, I remember telling my counselor, like, hey, I, I got this internship. He goes, congratulations. I'm very happy for you. And that was it. There was like no moment of like, aha, see what I did in your face. It was just, oh, I got what I wanted. There was no hard feelings. Okay, well, thank you for everything here. And then I just <laughs> went to New York City. Yeah. And I, I worked at the Howard Stern Show. And I was an intern. And um, uh, I, I, I started um, writing jokes there. I mean, that, that place is pretty fucking cool. I could go on about like what it was like working there. It was, it was wild. And it was... It was um, I learned a lot being there. And then Howard TV ended. I got laid off along with 
everyone else, even the executive producer of Howard TV. So then I came to LA, I was kind of lost. My dad had just passed away. Like there was a lot going on. What brought you to come to LA rather than to stay in New York or to move back to Texas? My best friend, my best friend in high school and my college roommate, he was out here. He was doing, um, uh, um he was like he he was doing like fitness stuff he was working at like go tribe where like all the ucb people were working out for like once upon a time and uh it was those are kind of dark times for me i was definitely like depressed and uh i finally got like a full-time job because i was delivering weed for like two years um and then i got a job like some assistant editing job i hated it and um, I started like just going to UCB shows because I, I, when I started writing jokes at Howard Stern, I went to see a UCB show and Amy Poehler showed up and I was like, this is fucking amazing. This is incredible. So at this point, when you moved to LA, you're kind of just going through the LA motions, just wandering, didn't know what you wanted aimlessly, to do, yeah. just looking for a job, trying to pay rent. Yeah, which, you know, I'm still like that now, but like uh, picking back up. So you said you, you started going to see some UCB shows just to entertain yourself i suppose yeah yeah so um i um i had um i so i had a lisp um bef- uh up until i was like 27 28 mm-hmm. um i couldn't pronounce my r's um i don't know what it was but like it, it was it was the mixture of like having coming from england and having all these different influences on on my accent um, and I guess I just never developed that pullback of the tongue that that helps you pronounce the R. My tongue was weak and it couldn't do it because I never did it. So my R's sounded like W's, wah, instead of er. And um, I was always self-conscious. Like that was one of the things I would get bullied about. Like I, 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 I had like, I don't know what it's called. I, it's- I, uh, I, I used to date a speech uh, language pathologist. Yeah. So I I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know the name, but there is a specific name for that. And there's things that you can do to strengthen that part of your tongue if you didn't develop it as a child. So that's what I did. Like I started watching UCB shows. I would go watch Sentimental Lady every Saturday because I had a full time job, and I would study like Susie Barrett and like Johnny Meeks and mm-hmm. and all of them, Alex Berg, and um. And I, I used my insurance that I had at this assistant editing job. And I went and saw a speech pathologist every week. Um, and we would do tongue strengthening exercises for me to actually pronounce the R's. So like she would give me like this, like it looked like the rubber grip on a pencil. Mm-hmm. And I would have to put that under my tongue and like roll it around my mouth. And like a lot of like like the clucking yeah. sounds, like I would have to push my tongue up to the roof of my mouth. Um, I had to teach myself to put the tip of my tongue to that little nub at the, at like behind your front teeth mm-hmm. and like hold it there because I also had like a jet, like my tongue would jet out and push my front teeth out. Um, uh, because like, I would just like, I would be like slack jawed a lot. I kind of presented myself slack jawed. Um, and so like for a whole year, it was just like sentimental lady and speech therapy. speech therapy. And then eventually I felt confident in my pronunciation. And then I signed up for my first one-on-one class. Uh, but um, without going into too much detail, my, 
my brother-in-law was up to no good and um got to the point where he accused my mom of murdering my dad and i can't really go into details about it but that always stuck with me and so like after after my dad passed a couple years go by and um, I saw him again in Texas when I went back and visited and I just punched him in the face and I broke his jaw. Um, and uh, he filed charges and I was arrested and I went to jail in Texas. I got bailed out the next day. And um, obviously very difficult for my family, but I had already signed up for UCB 101 in Los mm-hmm. Angeles and it started a week later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I got bailed out. We got this dipshit, dumb fuck, asshole attorney. I want to say his name, but I'm afraid of that this fucking- He's litigious. This disbarred motherfucker. Oh, he's disbarred? Say his yeah, name, he was man. disbarred. <sighs> I'm just, okay. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he like he lived on our blog and he was like, I'll represent you. And he was an estate attorney. And he was yeah. going to represent me for a criminal trial. Yeah. So I, we, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never been to jail, nothing like that. So I just said, okay. And um, he told me to just every two months, come back to Texas and we'll reset your case. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, after I was bailed out a week later, I start UCB 101 with Matt Newell. And I'm trying to be funny, but I also have this felony that I'm dealing with in texas so every two months i would go back to texas show up to court put on a nice suit reset the case over and over and over again every two months so uh really quick can you explain what that means to reset the case basically this dumb fuck attorney was like um he was like this is a family dispute we can like uh drag it out in court and then they're gonna drop it eventually just bullshit i don't think yeah i was about to say just lazy yeah and um so i just kept doing that and then one month he told me hey look uh uh you don't have to come back this month i'll talk to the judge don't worry about it i was like are you sure he's like yeah yeah i got it so i don't show up to court and i become a fugitive and i'm taking I was in Alexburg 401 mm-hmm. improv class and I was in uh, sketch 201 and I was also doing uh, boot camp. And then all of a sudden I'm leaving my girlfriend's apartment to go to my sketch 201 class mm-hmm. and the SUV pulls up in front of me, followed by another car. And then a guy jumps out and pulls a gun out on me. And he goes, are you Patrick John McCormick? I go, yeah. Oh, God. And I thought I was being robbed Mm -hmm. in Westwood. (laughs) By like these two white guys. (laughs) And um, he put his gun away. He holstered it. He goes, oh, okay. Well, uh, I have to arrest you. And he arrested me and he like sat me down because I was having a panic attack. And he goes, you're not usually the type of person we arrest. Meaning I wasn't like a black or Hispanic guy. You think that's what he meant? Yeah. Jeez. Well, because I went to. Well, then why would he ask you? Like, that's so crazy. Are you Patrick? He's like, oh, geez. 
I thought you were going to say no. Yeah. Oh, he Why? said I was going to run. And I was just like, yeah. no, please don't hurt me. And so uh, he was reluctant to like take me to, to jail. But he was he, a bounty hunter or a U.S. Marshal? Or U.S. Marshal. U.S. Marshal. Yeah. So he, he was like in uniform. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Oh, no. He was like plain clothes. But plain he clothes. was like, he had his gun. Yeah. At, he pointed a gun at me. Yeah. And um, so then I, I went to um, Twin Towers downtown. I was held there for a week. And then they transferred me up to Wayside Supermax which was the name of my indie team when I got out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I got, um, I got extradited back to Texas and then I got bailed out again. And we paid something like twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 for a new attorney here in LA to get me through the judicial process of like extraditing me. And then um, uh, and I had an attorney who um, basically uh, got the case dismissed like an actually got the case dismissed. actually did the work instead of just actually hitting did the snooze button on it. And, and the the attorney ghosted me just never talked to me the again yeah uh the old guy the piece of shit mm-hmm. um just ghosted me and uh i found out he was disbarred and um he was taking advantage of me and i found out that he did the same thing to his nephew oh my goodness yeah so um, that was my journey. And then when I came back so to all LA, the while you were taking UCB classes, you were yeah. checking in every two months to reset the case. And, and I had to uh, uh, that week, I was going to start my internship. And I thought like my whole world came crashing. I was like, oh, my God, I'll never do improv again. Yeah. I love this Oh, internship at UCB. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, got out. UCB gave me my internship back. How long um, was this ordeal? Uh, uh, I was in I was in Wayside for 34 days. Okay. In level seven, um, which is uh, pretty bad. Um, again, for skipping on bail, that's the charge. Because I was fugitive for a violent um, felony offense. Right. Okay. So I was in there with like um, gang members, similar people who are fugitives on violent offenses. Yeah, yeah. Like one of the guys I was closest with, he's serving a life sentence right now. Um, juicy. Um, uh, so, I mean, that's another story that that's a whole thing, but, um, yeah, I got out and then came back, started doing boot camp. That was surreal. Cause I was not used to being in general pop, like general public, yeah. like being yeah. around people. I was, uh, uh, I had PTSD when I came, when I got out, um, cause I was always scared I was going to get arrested again <laughs> as the police sirens go by. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and, um, so I was dealing with PTSD. I, I did my first audition for mess hall, got on bomb pop. It was a great team. Good team. James Mastriani was my coach. Um, and for my first show, I showed up with my suitcase. I did my set. It was Sunday night in the inner sanctum, did my set, got off stage, grabbed my suitcase and Joe Fahey dropped me off at LAX so I could show up to court in mm-hmm. Texas the next morning at 9 a.m. Which is crazy. Yeah, so this is like uh, all the while you're trying to focus on game. And- Which is hard enough. It's just hard enough. <laughs> but then you have this whole like legal uh, 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 odyssey hanging PTSD over your head. And yeah. I was in a new relationship at the time and that was its own thing. And like, it, it, it was, it was a pretty crazy period in my life. And then, um, 
once I got out, um, I just, man, I just loved improv so much. I just kept doing it full time. It didn't work. I was just like jobless, just doing improv, racking up debt. Um, so bad that I declared bankruptcy because I had amassed so much debt from just like doing improv nonstop. Yeah. I have an obsessive personality. Yeah. So you Very got obsessed obsessive. with improv. Yeah. That was going to be your new thing. Yeah. That was like my everything. Uh, that that kind of led to to Harold Knight, and that's kind of where I'm at now. So yeah. that's uh, that's I guess that's my journey. And I guess I could say uh, 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 probably one of the most harrowing <laughs> improv journeys uh, that we're likely to to hear, especially on this podcast. But I don't think anyone's been through something like that. Like I I, like I. Fuck it. I deserve it. <laughs> I deserve it. Yeah. You, overcame, you had to overcome a lot. It, and, a lot, a lot. And uh, there's like other things too. I don't, I don't even bring up, but just like, it was, it was a difficult time. It was a very difficult journey uh, to get to Harold Knight and like, you know, Harold Knight, it's just, it's temporary. It's, it's whatever, but it's, it's still an honor to be there. And yeah. a lot of incredible people have gone through that. that I think program. it just goes to show like, um, like you mentioned, like how, how, how like absorbed, how taken you were by improv, how dedicated and persistent you were. I think for anybody, you know, like uh, uh, any one of these things would have been like uh, a game changer, a showstopper to be like, hey, I'm going to stay in Texas for a while until this gets sorted out. Yeah. But for you to continue to, I mean, even right then and there, like uh, the fact that you're traveling, uh, you know, every two months to uh, Texas, that's not cheap. That's not convenient. That's That's hard. Why do you think I declare bankruptcy? Yeah. Yeah. It, it just it broke me yeah but like I, I just kept going at it and you know i'll say like the best advice i ever got was when i was a kid my sister linda um she she asked me what did i want to do with my life and i was like i want to be a wrestler and she was like it's just like a throwaway line she goes well if you want something bad enough you'll do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to get it and like i've lived by that mantra my entire life yeah yeah that was your if you ain't first, you're last. That was your Talladega moment, <laughs> Ricky Bobby moment, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, Where you're like, you have to do whatever it takes. Yeah, truly, yeah. And it, obviously don't hurt people along the way. Um, uh, all right, so uh, uh, if you were to sum up, yeah, like uh, uh, your general advice, taking this all in, because I'm sure not everybody's going to go through the same journey <laughs> that you did, but I'm pretty sure everyone's kind of dealing with their own trials and tribulations. We yeah. all have our own unique experiences. And if they're kind of struggling, struggling with, you know, getting through these classes, struggling with like finding a reason to stay uh, in this community, what would you have to say to them? You're unique. You are unique in your own way. Everyone's unique in their own way. And, and, and what makes an improv team so great is it, it's like, five, eight, whatever, unique personalities coming together, creating something that's never been done before. And if, if we're just talking about the improv format, right? So like different voices, like it's all valid, yeah. you know, like no one's better than anyone just in improv, in comedy, in life, anything, no species, whatever, just everyone's unique and just accept it. It's a very good sentiment. It's also a really good segue into our main topic of the week now. So we're going to go ahead and uh, pivot over to our next segment, which is our topic of the week. And what we decide we want to talk about today is going to be networking and relationships uh, uh, in improv. And I, as you bring up all these different communities, uh, uh, obviously uh, a natural uh, uh, 
pivot point here. But before we jump into this, I, I know you've been in the community for a long time and you've seen a lot of people come and go and everything. What I wanted to mention first and I want to speak to you is just getting started and how uh, uh, it can be so much. You kind of mentioned that like UCB has kind of stood as this hierarchical, you know, uh, focal point for a lot of people. And then within that, you have all these little these little kingdoms, right? These little the little <laughs> communities that people can join. And it, it is it's a lot. It's the Hyrule Castle. Yeah. And then you have Gerudo Town. Yeah, all the little <laughs> land village. People, yeah. Uh, uh, can, can explore. <laughs> and um, it can be a lot to navigate when you first come off, especially if you don't have anybody to talk to and ask about it. Um, so first thing I, I think I'll say is that like you should find people that are in any community and ask them because it does take a long time to get situated. But after a while, people know, like everybody knows UCB and kind of what that structure looks like. Everybody knows we, uh, we just, uh, uh, Hailed Experience, Shed Experience, right? After a while, these names become more and more familiar to you. Although at first it's just like a laundry list. But if you talk to somebody, if you want to ask me, happy to break it down for you. But even if once you do know the landscape, I would still say it's very tough. It's very challenging to meet people. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we first met uh, um, years and years ago, uh, you were working at the Inner Sanctum Cafe. I think you had blonde hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, uh, was still like taking classes and stuff like that. And for me, it was very difficult uh, uh, because I always wanted to, uh, you know, fit in and find the community. I would be at UCB every weekend. I'd be sipping coffee, writing sketches, just hoping, like, see familiar faces just to, because they say, like, you know, um, it takes a couple, I think it's, like, it takes, like, I, I need to look this up. I'll put it in the little caption, but it's, like, it takes, uh, like, 100 hours before people, like, really start to recognize you, you know? Yeah. So, obviously, if that's work, that's, like, oh, 100 hours, that's, like, a month perfect but if you're talking about ucb classes or even just seeing them uh, at shows it takes a long time to build it up and money and money yeah even at that point even though uh um you know four dollar lattes every weekend is still gonna add up <laughs> yeah and then uh, you gotta tip me <laughs> and, uh, yeah that's right you gotta tip this guy uh but it's, it's a lot of time and money so uh, uh some constants you'll find so i think uh, i want to say like thank you you were uh, a constant for me even though you were working there you had no choice but to be there <laughs> it was nice to just see a familiar face and to make pleasant conversation you know uh, every weekend oh, I appreciate that yeah I thank you yeah um the, the good thing about working at the cafe is I I kind of saw myself as like an unofficial ambassador in a way um I didn't have to be but mm -hmm. like I think it's important and like, if you were in that position, like try to make people feel welcome. Even if it's someone that you're like, you're probably going to leave in two months once you get that improv credit on mm -hmm. your resume. Um, but like, I do want people to feel welcome. And um, that honestly truly does mean a lot that like, you kind of remember that. Uh, Cause that feels like so long ago. And I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Um, but I would try to have like conversations with people when they came down because it is stressful. Like you're putting a lot of vulnerability on, uh, uh, on the line when every time you step out in those mm -hmm. classes and practice groups, like you're exposed, you yeah. know? And, um, 
sometimes you say and do something that like maybe isn't you and uh we want to present ourselves in the best way possible so like it's okay to fuck up it's okay to like um be nervous it's okay to be intimidated i'm mm -hmm. intimidated all the time uh by people whether they're veterans or like or new and i'm like oh my god they're so good how are they so good um but uh really like it's the same thing that i say at the jam like if you're making everyone look good we all look good if you're making everyone feel welcome you're welcome mm -hmm. and um I, I i remember you coming down and and talking to you in the inner sanctum cafe i also remember i think you did boot camp did you jump in the boot camp i remember practicing with you uh we did we did some of the match training workshops together is that like in the pandemic yeah yeah was your hair blonde then too mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that 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 was uh just like boot camp like i used to do like 12 to 2 every day in boot camp mm -hmm. um with all my friends um that was like a very influential time. I think during the pandemic, like that was another influential time where I, we didn't have shows to look forward to. It was literally just like us and people who love this mm -hmm. in the pandemic. Like there were, there was no one padding their resume out in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was there cause they loved it. And I remember you being there, Anza Boltz being there. That's when Lindsey Frank and I became really good friends um and like uh i can see it i can see like oh wow you're you're passionate and i'm passionate and like we get to be passionate about this together and like if we're in a community and we're all passionate about it it's it's a healthy it's a healthy community it's a good community to be a part of it'll help people yeah find each other a little bit easier as well. exactly and we're all cogs in a machine uh, i want to start kind of at the beginning because you kind of mentioned that you're uh our friend was out here doing comedy was i assuming i assume or my friend nick murphy yeah no nah, he was just like digging around <laughs> so like at that point like I, I you know talking about the relationships that you build and the network you build i think it all starts in that class level sometimes people come with a friend sometimes they start to make friends but what was your experience like did you uh, uh make friends with your classmates did you have consistent classmates as you went through the class the yeah joe fahey mm -hmm. um Joe Fahey, Alex Lewis, Justin Patterson, my best friend, Nick Murphy, who's no longer in the community. Um, like those were, those are my best friends from this community. Um, uh, I didn't like Joe when I first met him. <laughs> I thought he was like hacky. Uh, but that is me being pretentious and like being judgmental mm -hmm. because he brought a different energy that, than what I wanted to bring. And then it turns out his energy complements my energy yeah. so well. He is my improv husband. I am his improv husband. And um, I mean, I was straight up like on Herald Night when they asked like if we wanted to come back, I was like, I'll I, I want to come back with Joe. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to do Herald Night without Joe. Like he it's a really special thing when you find someone who you just resonate with. Yeah. Uh, I love Joe, Alex Lewis, same thing, Justin Patterson. Um, like just like pretty much like that boot camp era, mm -hmm. like me and those guys in the upstairs boot camp, just like 
laughing at like how bad our improv sets were not giving a fuck about being good um that is what improv is all about it's just like just accepting this is a bad scene yeah, yeah. and committing as hard as you can not to make the audience laugh but that like larry david mentality mm -hmm. of i'm not trying to make them laugh i'm trying to make you laugh in the back mm -hmm. the person who Gets no it. one knows yeah. is there yeah. my friend yeah and um that's when you have the most fun because ah, it's nothing like bombing a set on purpose yeah it's like <laughs> and finding people because like all growth is about, is about failure and it's like finding people that you can fail with i think is the most important thing it's so important and failure is learning like you don't yeah. truly fail you learn and um it, it's fun when when other people embrace your failure yes and you embrace yeah. theirs yeah so you gotta like find the right people who like you can fail in front of and they're like yeah, i know you're better than that don't worry about it and uh did you meet these folks uh uh one on one, two on one, uh, boot camp mostly. Joe and I, that's my Alex Lewis and I, we started in one on one, but he went on to become a fucking viral sensation. Um, so he does a lot of like musical comedy mm -hmm. now. He's on a uh, Lou Berger, um, this uh, this great like comedy musical uh band, one of my best friends, and then uh, Joe Fahey, We were in. We started in Improv Four Hundred One with mm. Nick Mananock, and uh, he just got on my nerves. <laughs> and then we ended up in another class together, uh, a Will Hines Four Hundred One. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, I feel like my best scenes are with him. This is weird. Um, and then like we just kept practicing together, and then he like showed up in boot camp, yeah. and then. Uh, we did a practice group together and that turned into like my first like good like big indie team wayside supermax and then um we were just like pretty much inseparable yeah, yeah. i think that's important to 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 like bring up because the the population at ucb is just so large and so random mm -hmm. i don't think and if you know more power too if you did but i think it's hard to find that person or find people you can connect with or you feel yeah. comfortable around in your classes. Yeah. Cause it's a grab bag. It's just literally whoever is free at that time, mm -hmm. registered in time and had, you know, 500 bucks lying around. <laughs> I know. I mean, look, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get better um, outside of those classes. Those yeah. classes are great for foundational work mm -hmm. um, and also connecting with people because you kind of meet people randomly and like i i booked a commercial because the writer was um on set for yeah. this thing i was doing background on and he like bumped me up to to principal actor uh because we were in a will hines 401 class together yeah. you know um the, the the connections you make is so important like majority of my opportunities that i have now came from improv yeah um and 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 it, getting a practice group, being consistent with it, like Glass Clown, you guys are coached by like Dana. Um, uh, that is going to help you find your voice because you're going to be working on that voice with other people finding their voice, and you create that group voice. Yeah, and you just like you just start being undeniable. You ever showed up to a show and you're like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it's a good feeling. Yeah. 
Um, and hopefully that inspires other people to get to that point too, but you got to put the work in and connect with people yeah. and like find who you resonate with because you're not going to resonate with everyone. So you went there every day, two hours a, a, a day, five days a week. How long until on top you, of practice, on top of practice, how long until you recognize like, Hey, you know, Justin, you're funny. Can I get your Facebook or whatever? Um, can we like, do you want to meet up extracurricular? You know, it's just, uh, we would like talk out cause it was at the clubhouse. Uh -huh. So we would always just like kind of after practice, we would just like goof off after and just like stand on the street yeah. and just like, just make fun of each other and, and goof around. And then eventually like, um, yeah, it's like, do you want to do this show? Yeah. Like, Oh fuck. Yeah. That's yeah a, I would love to. Another really important factor to bring up like, uh, and I'm guilty of this, uh, back in the day, I didn't think about this. But uh, you should probably meet before class, meet after class, leave room. I know a lot of people sometimes, as soon as the class is over, they're like, oh, I got to run. And then they yeah. stick around for that mingling afterwards. Like it is a lot of relationships are built like in the post-show or post-class mingle. Hang out. Like you really got to get to know the, the individual um, that you're playing with. Um, yeah. Uh, like on a personal level because you know you, you want to know like what their experience is and like it, it just it just it, it's 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 a non-tangible thing yeah like when you connect with someone um and and that comes from having like vulnerable moment like yeah. justin and i we would go on hikes and just like like i don't know if you know justin patterson but he's yeah. so fucking weird yeah. and goofy and just like sometimes you're just like i don't know if he's like being serious or not he's just so weird but then we would have like moments where we get away from the community and go on a hike and just like just like share like our like most vulnerable moments yeah yeah so uh i guess like that important takeaway there is just like maybe it, you know because improv is weirdly some people see it and it's like a job thing maybe it's a, a recreational thing maybe it's a social thing but like in order to find people that you do want to play with it is i i will i will my personal experience you got to lean on the the social side you got to like each other's friends you got to be able to like get a drink or or get dinner together because if you can't do that then like even if you're the world's best improviser if i have a choice of like hey you know david uh, i have a show i need to book you have five other people you want to bring. I'm not going to go to, yeah, let me ask the best improviser I ever met. I'm going to think, let me think about the five improvisers that I want to get a beer with before. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's kind of weird, but it is like weirdly. And it, and it also results in better improv because you get me the world's best improviser. If I don't know them, we're just going to be on guard around one another. Yeah. Versus you get me again, five people that I've played with for years or just get along with. We're going to be loose and easy. And, and this is coming from like, um i'm a very uh i've always been a bit of a loner i've always been a very secluded person i'm very private mm -hmm. um and like there's something about this like social culture of this community that we're in like it, it brings out the social yeah. nature of me um but otherwise like my perfect day is staying at home mm -hmm. you know but the thing that gets me off the couch and out of bed is going to practice, going yeah. to show, seeing my friends perform and create, collaborate together, yeah. you know? Yeah, and like it, it weirdly, I think it also builds momentum. Like I don't say that you need to find like a perfect team now. 
if it happens great, but like solve with just that one, that one buddy, you yeah. know, that one buddy in class you like, and you'll start to see shows together. And there's this weird effect. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm sure there's some psychologists can explain it, but like talking to, let's just say it was after a show and I, I see you, you know, I won't tell you have a good set. Me walking up to you, I think is tough, right? Like one-on-one, Hey, how's it going? Good set. Maybe I might walk away. Yeah. But there's two of us for some reason. It's just like, Hey man, we saw your show. Yeah. Great job. And then we'll stick and we'll actually linger and we'll talk more. We'll form a, a stronger bond. You yeah. Know? And if that person knows you already, or if I know you already, it just makes that whole interaction go by smoother. It's like a, it's like a vetting process, right? Like, oh yeah. Okay. Like we, we can all talk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you have a friend. So you, I know at least this person likes I you. I can open up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you in. And then um, that, th- that, that becomes three, three becomes four. Right. I think it's, mm-hmm. and then, yeah. Like, again, I know it's weird, but it's like, I'm almost, it's almost like I'm, explaining how to make friends but yeah in improv it, it is kind of that you kind of do need to make friends in order to form practice groups to form teams and, and to, to book shows um I don't, I don't remember who said it but someone said like you just got to be two of three things you either got to be really good you either got to be really nice or mm-hmm. you show up yeah if you just two of those you're good people will want to play with you. Yeah. So if you're not good, just be really nice and show up. Yeah. If you're not nice, be really good and show up. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I like that. That is funny. Um, all right. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I think we kind of talked about a lot. And again, sorry to sum it up to just be like, hey, be around for a long time. But I really like the way that you summed it up. You know, just again, show up, be nice, be good. I don't know which of those two you're going to, you know, uh, take to the most so do all three and i don't think there's any it's not hard strive for it yeah why yeah. not but like Tom don't Hanks don't be it. bad if you're lacking in one don't feel bad if you're lacking in one yeah, yeah. um maybe be self-conscious if you're lacking in being nice but <laughs> uh for the rest it's like okay you're gonna have your days where you can't show up yeah. or like maybe you mentally can't show up take a day off mm-hmm. take a week off whatever you need to emotionally and mentally get through your personal life don't let the pressure of like performing and being impressive way down on your personal life and then also um uh uh just you know like being good like yeah like you're gonna have off nights yeah that's a really important thing to to just bring up like i don't want people to watch or listen to this uh podcast and be like oh I have to be obsessed with that. Do all this, all the blah, blah, blah. I forgot to mention at your own pace. And again, like so it takes some people six months. Wow. Good for them. It takes some people four years. Oh, that doesn't mean that's bad or whatever. It takes people nine. Some people take them 11. nine years. It's all their different. Uh, um, they're all different experiences. And I think uh, honestly, like find the people that think you're showing up is enough. Like if you can do it once a week and they're like, that's plenty. Yeah. Find those people. <laughs> Find the people that even if you're kind of a jerk, like, dude, this guy's a really nice guy. Find those people. And then lastly, like, if they think you're good, man, that's your teammate right there. That's yeah. the dream for someone to think you're good. <laughs> you, know? you think I'm good? Done. Done taking class. Exactly. You're good. I think you're good. I think you're good, too. Yeah. I think you're nice. And I think you show up. Oh, thank you. All three. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. You, too. Uh, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, transition over to our last segment, which is going to be hot improv takes. Are you familiar with this? uh i mean i see it every night (laughs) but in the realm of this discussion i'm not familiar okay so uh we're what we're gonna do is we're gonna do like a rant and we're just gonna talk about improv so this is a trend that we want to see more of 
less up. Or maybe oh, I like am it. familiar. I saw, I saw this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then we always just start off, you know, hot improv take, and then we just go off on it for a bit. Okay. Um, uh, can you kick me off and that'll get my, my brain going? Yeah. Yeah. I'll go first then you can go. Okay. After. Okay. All right. I already got one. Hot improv take. Uh, cute's not funny. <laughs> like, what? Uh, just being cute on stage. Like, yeah, sure. It's, um, it's silly and, and cute or whatever, but like, what is your hot, what is your take? What is your opinion on life? Like, I'm not learning anything. Just doing a cute, funny voice isn't making me look at society and, and deep within myself and think, oh yeah, I'm like that. Nah, it's just a voice. <laughs> All right. I, I like that. I think that's, uh, you see that a lot with people that have been, they gotten away with being cute. Yeah, they got they and they never like uh, been uh, vulnerable before. Yeah, be vulnerable. Like, <laughs> don't just like defer to the thing that has always worked for you in your class in your grad show. Like, like take a beat to like look at like think about like, well, what what does it mean to be human? You mm-hmm. know, I think that I don't watch improv because like people are, are cute. I watch it because like it really it 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 kind of exposes like how we are as humans and like the, 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 the uh, hypocrisy of like how we portray ourselves versus like who we really are on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing it right now in this interview, I'm presenting myself in the best way possible, but you don't see the bad parts of me or the parts of me that are insecure. We get to present those parts on stage and that's how you like truly relate to people because they're we're kind of exposing the stuff that we don't want to show. Yeah, yeah. Cute's a cop out. Cute's a cop out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, great. Uh, how to improv take? Uh, really good. Uh, this is kind of a wild one, and uh, you may disagree. People may disagree. Okay, but uh, how to improv take? Don't whisper on stage. If you're gonna whisper, <laughs> do a stage whisper. We got, you know, depend. I mean, depending on the, the house, we're talking, you know, 50 to 100 people. They got to hear what you're trying to say. What you're doing is genuine and it is real. And people want to hear what you're saying, but you're not on camera. There's no guy turning up your microphone because there's no microphone. So say it out loud. I get it. You want to change the pace. You want to go easy. You want to go for that like nice, soft little moment. But do a stage whisper or just say it out loud. I know it sounds un- unusual, but like, or unnatural, but just like, you know, hey, I have a secret. I'm cheating on my wife. Yeah. Gotta do that. So that's my hot improv take. That's that's a good one. It's the same thing with, uh, it, it. it's similar to uh, being like, oh, I got you something too. And then you just fucking go quiet. Mm-hmm. And you you pimp your scene partner into be- making the move for you. Yeah. Or the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 the they're both it's a lose-lose situation lose you'd say great thank you what is it right yeah and it makes us look like they take us out of it because they're not really seeing it yeah and then the other thing is yeah you you the other lose situation they say the wrong thing you know oh cool a new iphone thanks yeah yeah it's like no that's not what i wanted (laughs) yeah uh all right uh well uh thanks so much for doing this we just have one last part which is to have you plug anything away i know you're an artist with many crimes (laughs) but um I usually don't plug things, but I think I will this time. This is targeted towards improvisers. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, time. So uh, Lohan, that is my UCB uh, Herald team. That's every other Monday night. 
Um, uh, I'm sure we're off for three weeks, so I'm I'm. Uh, it's going to be interesting coming back after three weeks away. Um, and then uh, one big jam that is every Sunday at five thirty. Um, yeah, come through if you uh, are new to improv. If you are um, uh, uh, even experience like there's something you can uh, get out of it and you you can also like take your experience and be generous too um, so like come through and like let's see the new generation flourish it's it's honestly like it's a good show even if you don't do improv just you can come watch like some cool shit happens um, at the jam it's 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 kind of like its own thing now. It's 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 really cool. And can I say something just for people who maybe have like anxiety? Let's just explain the process. Everybody gets in line and they get into the theater. So it's like you're watching a show and you're in the audience. Yeah. And you can just sit in the audience all the time, but they ask who wants to come up and they raise your hand and then randomly, right? You just pick people. Yeah. So if you don't feel ready to go up, keep your hand down and you can just continue to watch. If you feel ready, raise your hand. How many people do you uh, pull from, like uh, in each group? It can range anywhere from ten. The highest is maybe like eighteen people. So it's not going to be as scary as you may seem. Yeah, raise your hand if you want to. Step out when you want to, and if you don't, uh, you can stay in the back line the whole time. And uh, so yeah, Harold Night, One Big Jam, um, and then uh, the Shared Experience Studio. I, I teach a drop in. Um, on Sundays from 2.30 to 4.30, right before the jam. So come through, uh, uh, reserve online at the sharedexperiencestudio.com. Um, and um, we also have a show every Wednesday night. Um, the Shared Experience show is at uh, uh, Lyric Hyperion. It's every uh, Wednesday at 8 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. Tickets for each show are $5, and we have, like, really stacked good teams. Um, uh, so come check that out. Um, I also just shot a short film with Mia Schaffler, um, directed by a very talented filmmaker named um, uh, Kyle Kenyon. Um, he also came from Improv. Uh, and, um, that should be coming out shortly. Um, what else? Uh, I'm sure there's other things, but that's kind of like in the nearby scope right now. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much for stopping by. This is going to be a great episode and, uh, thanks for, for, uh, sharing it all. Yeah, this is so fun and easygoing. Thank you for having me. Very chill. All right. We're like three beers in. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> plastered. <laughs>